Welcome to the Risky Business Podcast. Uh, this podcast is an in-depth look at country risk around the world. Uh, in part, it is um, based upon the TXF country risk ratings. You can go to those ratings if you click on at www.txfnews.com slash country risk. We're in the UK. It's another scorching hot day uh, here in London. It's July 2018. We're here to talk about the latest country risk um, analysis of Africa. Uh, Rebecca, you've written the executive summary for us. What, what's, uh, what, are, what are the biggest movers and shakers? What's going on? So Africa, sub-Saharan Africa at the moment... Um, is is quite interesting. You've seen a number of elections happen. Um, you've got um, you've got Cyril Ramaphosa's new new government administration in South Africa, and that's facing a number of challenges to correct some of the issues of corruption and so on that have happened in the past. So if you want to take across sub-Saharan Africa the big themes that are happening, one is the issue of corruption, um, and and political stabilisation, which actually I think is 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 going relatively well. Um, you've got a big um, threat of um, terrorism across the region because um, one of the things that a lot of um, organisations are beginning to say and notice who monitor terrorist activity um, is that sub-Saharan Africa is, is likely to become a home for IS now that um, now that um, IS has lost its space in the Middle East. So... Uh, Sub-Saharan Africa is one of those countries that has um, a particularly higher risk of this happening. So, um, in places like um, in places like Nigeria, obviously you've already got very high levels of of, of terrorism that are very focused around particular geographies. Actually, um, so they're very much focused in the north of Nigeria. Um, and now, um, what you've got is um, the threat of an IS-based um, movement coming into the country as well. There are. If I can just take it there, so you, for example, with, with Nigeria, you've got a, a country risk rating of 258.79, and that's sort of up 5.22 on the year. Perhaps you can explain in sort of metrics, you know, what, what, how have you arrived from that? And in terms of the, the sort of threat of terrorism, Boko Haram, IS, how's that sort of actually been, um, how does that come across in the statistics? So what we're seeing in the statistics is a quite sharp increase in two very specific areas. One is the terror threat um, and the other is internal conflict. Um, we're also seeing um, a rise in the impact of terrorism, which is a little bit more of a normative um um, so a normative um, element to what we're arguing. So the impact of terrorism is how terrorism itself is affecting day-to-day -day life in the country and the types of um, things that the government is having to do in order to control um, terrorism. But we're also seeing an increased terror threat as well. Now, um, those rankings have gone up quite significantly over the last, over the last um, year. Um, and we're seeing the risks rise over the next six months as well. So what we're projecting is that those risks will increase, um, particularly in terror. Um, now, obviously what that does is it creates a tension within the country. So it, it, it challenges the regime to um, come up with measures that tackle terrorism. Um, but it also means that you've got within Nigeria um, 
different types of terrorist activity going on, heightened terror alerts, um, and that increases the risk of, of, of conflict within the country itself. And I mean, in terms of how you've come up with that, that I guess, forecast of an increased terror over a six-month period, is any of that based on what you're seeing in trade figures? So what we're seeing in trade figures has actually Nigeria is a very interesting case um, in that we've seen we've seen um, a lot of volatility in the amounts of inward investment going into Nigeria, but then we've also seen um, a drop in the value of trade um, exports and imports um, in Nigeria as well. Now. When you start looking at um, those types of changes and you equate them against what is being traded, so you look at the types of things underneath the surface that are going into Nigeria, so you start looking at arms trade and you start looking at those types of things, then you see a spike in the amount of stuff that's going on that's above what we would normally expect. Um, so that's where the risks are coming from in terms of trade um, in, in Nigeria particularly. Are there any other African countries where you're seeing an abnormal spike in either defence, dual use? Um... Um, so there are there are countries where we're seeing that we're seeing that um, we're seeing that in some of um, so for example uh, a Democratic Republic of Congo we're seeing some abnormal spikes going on and one of the things that we've noticed is that where we see those spikes um, it's very much associated with political instability if you look at that in terms of violent death so um, we measure that in terms of violent death uh, political instability in relation to arms trade and where you see a spike which is above two two standard deviations above what you'd expect um you you see that type of spike and then you look at the number of violent deaths and the two are very closely correlated with one another in emerging economies so that that is something that we are seeing and against that metric somewhere like south africa is actually has actually reduced in risk um so what we are seeing i should is, say south africa you have a risk of 100.9 which is a reduction of 5.54 yes um and a lot of that has actually come from the fact that the the government at the moment is really tackling head on um, any any um, hint of corruption. So it's been very very keen to sweep away um, the, um, the 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 it's it's taintedness, if you like, um, of the last of the last twenty years. So it's been very keen to say we are not corrupt anymore. We are going to comply with international standards. Um, we're going to have much tighter rules and regulations about what comes into and out of the country. Um, and so it's really trying to establish itself and allow um, what has been an emerging economy um, and one of the bricks actually to to turn into a, and to fulfil the potential that it actually has. And you said at the beginning that this is not just a South African issue, but this is something that is is more broadly spread across the continent. Yes. So um, if you look, if you look, we we don't at the moment have metrics for Cameroon. These are that's that's um, what's this space. But um, if you look at the feeds that are coming in from places like Cameroon, you've got a lot of frustration with the government because there's been um, there's been. Um, uh, corruption in the government to start with, but then there's also been um, the the population hasn't had advantages that 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 the ruling classes have had. So you've had these popular uprisings in Cameroon as well, um, and that's and and that's something that you see all the time. You see this type of conflict um, going on all the time, and some a, a great deal of that is associated with the high corruption indicators that we see across the region. 
Okay. And uh, and also, I guess, Cameroon, you, you sort of mentioned or, or that some of the insurgency that's seeing in Nigeria is also spreading to, to Cameroon and, and to Chad. So that's... That's slightly that. So that to clarify, that's not sort of terrorism related. That tends to be more civil unrest. Related. That's civil unrest. Um, it's civil unrest, and it's also. I mean, this is proper geopolitics, if you like. It's proper conflict about where the where the borders are and who owns what and um, who has control of resources in particular regions. Because I mean, obviously, Africa is a resource rich region of the world, um, and and that um, means that there's there's a perpetual conflict going on about about ownership and who has the advantages and you know corruption then becomes part of that whole mix as well but but in Africa actually when we talk about geopolitics we're talking about it in the very strict definition of what geopolitics means it's control of land and control of resources mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then um Another sort of country that you cover from a metric point of view is Ghana, which has a rating of 83.88, lower than that of South Africa, although uh, rising 14.73 in the period. Uh, Can you talk about what trends are seeing there? Um, So Ghana is very interesting. It has sort of again, geopolitical conflicts around its edge. So it's got a bit of a conflict at the moment going on uh, with, with Togo. Um, there are there are always issues that Ghana has, but actually Ghana is politically extremely stable. So if you look at the rankings, um, there's a little bit more pressure around um, the external conflict just simply because um, Ghana has made itself very unpopular with the international community by, or particularly with the African community by, um, by bringing in uh, US bases, um, but um, equally it's got this this potential tension with Togo as well. Um, so there's a degree of pressure there, but otherwise actually Ghana is relatively low risk. Okay, and um, although we don't have any East African countries in our in our uh, metrics at the current stage, we will do shortly. Um, can you talk about sort of some of the uh, the the uh, political changes and risk metric changes that you might be seeing there? Um, so Ken is an interesting one because obviously over the last six months it's had a lot of um, potential conflict with um, internally because it's had a it's had difficulties after its election. A lot of that is now settling down. So, so again, in Africa, what you see around elections and what you see around um, around um, attempts to stabilise things is actually a spike in instability and then things stabilise again. Um, the other thing to say about Africa is that Africa is very keen to be part of the One Belt, One Road um, policy that that China has. Um, and 2014-2015, you saw a lot of inward investment going into, into Africa from China. Um, now, the problem with inward investment from China is it also comes with Chinese employees, so it also comes with Chinese workers. And what's what happened over the last couple of years is those Chinese Chinese people started to move away again. Africa is very keen to show itself to be a stable stable environment to attract a lot of that money in and take advantage of Chinese investment again. So um, Africa has been damaged. The economics of Africa have been damaged by the fall in oil prices. But what you've seen um, over the whole region, Ethiopia, 
Kenya um, and um, other countries as well, Rwanda as well, is a desire to stabilise things through the trade associations actually in the free trade areas in order to get to the point where um, investment from abroad can start to come back in again. I'm quite interested by this this idea of a a spike in instability then leading to a more stable period. Mm. Uh, can you give any examples or other examples of of when that's happened, how long that spike will tend to last, and then how long the um, the instability will or sort of the stability will last after that? So a lot of that depends because I mean Nigeria remains uh, remains risky even though it's had relative stability for a long period of time. Um, South Africa has remained... has has remained sort of politically fairly stable, even though it's had um, spikes in instability over the last few years. So um, a lot of it depends on the regime. You can't, uh, Afri- talking about sub-Saharan Africa as one lump is not possible at all because all of the different structures are different. Um, but if you look at Kenya, Kenya is somewhere where everybody wants to invest because it's so rich in natural resources. It's It, it has coffee, it has um, a lot of the softer commodities that are uh, potentially extremely strong in Kenya. And we do see these spikes in Kenya. Ethiopia has been relatively stable, but that's because a lot of money has come in from China and that stabilised the regime to a greater extent. But I think Kenya is is probably the best example where you see um, these things spike and then stabilise. Um, you, you see something similar in Rwanda as well, but Rwanda has actually been quite stable for a few years now. Okay. And and. I guess in terms of how you've analysed different countries within the African region, uh, how much of the, if I was a longer term investor versus a short term investor, um, does the risk outlook look more positive in certain countries? So I think the risk outlook for the continent actually looks looks more positive more positive as in it's it's better um the the region is stabilizing and a lot of that has come from the fact that um it's very keen to diversify away from its commodities dependencies to become manufacturing base and the and a route through to uh the middle east um and to europe for china as well um but if you look at the countries that are um that are always going to be uh, the, the the best bet. You're looking at Ethiopia, looking at South South Africa. I think Zimbabwe is still one to watch um, because Zimbabwe is the country that has the richest resources. It's, you know, the region's breadbasket, if you like. It's got everything. But um, the challenges that Zimbabwe faces are absolutely massive in the post-Mugabe era. Now, I think we are beginning to see things stabilise there, so Zimbabwe would be one to watch. And just a reminder, you can go to txfnews.com slash country risk for a detailed analysis and data on all the countries mentioned on today's podcast.